Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Glad you're with us for the second hour of OutKick 360 across the network and live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad Withrow on my left, Paul Koharski on my right. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Plenty to get to this hour as we near the NFL or right at the NFL trade deadline. Titans have made no deals officially. Nothing coming in. Nothing uh, coming in after they sign Adrian Peterson. We will detail that uh, on some possible players who were mentioned as uh, guys who were going to be on the move were not moved today. Uh, Deshaun Watson, one of those. Uh, Marlon Mack seems to be another player that was not moved. Um, Deshaun Jackson in L.A. once out with the Rams. He was given permission to seek a trade. Uh, talk is that he could be released now. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens there. That and much more all coming up this hour. John McClain joins us in 20 minutes. Right now, we welcome in uh, former NFL pass rusher, uh, both with the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks, that legion of boom defense. Cliff Averill joins us on OutKick 360. Cliff, great to have you on the show, man. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Any uh, any nervous days at NFL trade deadline day for you in particular, or or is the the NFL just so bland on this day that uh, players just go about their business? Well, you have no choice. You kind of have to go about your business regardless. I've never really had any um, trade scares per se, but I've gotten some guys pranking me early on. Where <laughs> they would call me like, "Hey, you just been traded to such and such." That wasn't cool, but besides that, no. <laughs> Your rookie year, 2008, correct? In Detroit, you uh, experienced the worst thing anybody could experience. Sorry to hit you with it right out of the gate, 0-16. But four years later, you were part of glory in Detroit, 10-6 uh, and six and in the playoffs. Watching Detroit struggle now, I'm curious, what, what's it like to be part of the Lions when they are really bad, which is what they are most of the time. And what's it like to be part of the Lions when they hit the jackpot and get in the playoffs, which is big rarity? Very rare. Um, you know, one thing about Detroit in particular is their fan base, they're loyal. Now, they might show up with bags over their heads. They might show up kind of mad, but they're going to show up, right? Um, and, and they're going to cheer on. But I would say on, on the difference between the two, obviously, when you're winning – the crowd is a little more involved. The energy is a little bit different. It's a little more electrifying. Um, but that's a city that I, I just don't get it. I don't understand why they can't find a way to, to win ball games. Uh, but they they when they start to win, though, that city's going to be on fire. Cliff Aver with us, Super Bowl champion with the Seattle Seahawks, 74 career sacks. Speaking of pass rushers, Cliff, Von Miller traded to the L.A. Rams yesterday. Uh, he joins Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd's on the other end of that line in that front. What do you make of what L.A. is doing? They are all in, and then they add an all-time great in Von Miller. That's exactly what they're doing. They're all in. They're sliding all the chips in. It's, hey, this is for all the marbles. Because they also understand that, you know, uh, with Matthew Stafford and some of these cap hits that are coming up, they're, they're trying to win right now. 
And to to get somebody like Von Miller next to Aaron Donald, oh my goodness, this is it's unfair. It's like a it's like the the <laughs> cheat code in Madden and different things like that, you know. Because I'm a big pass, I'm a, I'm a big fan of pass rushers, and those two guys are elite. Those are generational guys. Then you put them together, ah, oh, it's it's going to be unreal. I'm I, I'm looking forward to watching them play, and and they're in the division, uh, you know, with the Seahawks. And I'm a, obviously I'm a big fan of the Seahawks, but I'm looking forward to see these two guys go at it and and make it make it painful for some of these quarterbacks. Speaking of all in, Cliff, you played for a guy in Pete Carroll who was all in as a coach. In fact, he had what he called all out Wednesdays when he was at USC with some of those great teams where they put the pads on. And they were going full out in practice to see who was going to play and who was going to start that weekend. What was it like playing for a coach like that with that mentality? It obviously worked out for you and the Seahawks. Yeah, no, the, that that all in stuff wouldn't work in the NFL. So he he knew that. So he <laughs> yeah, left yeah. that out. I knew <laughs> that he left that out of his NFL tenure, which was smart with highly yeah, paid no, athletes. Exactly. Exactly. But uh, playing for Coach Carroll was fun, man. It, it was it was the closest thing that I felt to, to college football. Um, you know, whether it's the energy that he brings, uh, whether it's the, the music, we're shooting hoops before before uh, meetings. I mean, there's music blasting in the meeting rooms as well. It, it was just a great time. It was fun. And honestly, it took me two years. It took me two years to actually buy into the hype of Coach Carroll because you know, I was in Detroit. I had three different coaches. Uh, I was I wasn't used to coaches actually being fun to engage with. You know, I uh, so so seeing Coach Carroll and that energy, it just took me a while to catch on to it. But you know, playing for somebody like that, I'm not surprised why they've had so much success over the years. You know, Tom Brady recently uh, had a podcast where he said uh, he was asked uh, by Colin Coward, in fact, what's the number one thing you would change about football today? And he went into a very lengthy answer about it being a skills competition today. And that 20 years ago when he was in the league, it was much more physical and you could hit people and that it's on the quarterback to protect his receivers. It's on the offensive line to protect running back and quarterback. It's not on defensive players to protect the opponent when they hit him. I feel like that's music to the ears of a guy who played your position. Do you agree with Tom Brady on what the game is today and how it's evolved? Yes, I agree with him 1000%. But it's a lot easier to say that now in year 22 instead of year <laughs> 7 when, you know, everything is going, right? But um I agree with him though. The game has changed a lot. I don't know if I would be able to play in in these last 2 years and how guys got to protect the quarterback when they when they hit him. Like how else do you tackle? You you got to bring this guy down, but you got to watch out for his head and all these other things when, you know, every play this old lineman is gunning for my edge, you know? So, so it, it's interesting, but I am happy that he's speaking on it. We're going to need people like himself to talk on this, to, to, to kind of change the dynamics of the game. And I'm all for player safety. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for player safety, but it just feels like it's one way, not, not both sides of the ball. Cliff Averill, our guest on Outkick 360. Uh, Cliff, you played with Matthew Stafford. You were drafted a year before he was in Detroit. And to now see him playing in L.A., and putting up the numbers and the the dominance that that offense is is putting up currently, and the, the Tennessee Titans, for instance, will play them on the road this coming Sunday night. Give us your thoughts on what you see from Stafford with McVay versus the Stafford that you played with in Detroit. You know what? Staff has always been what we're seeing right now in L.A. is is what we've always seen in Stafford. He can throw the mess out of the ball. I mean, launch it. Uh, he can get it to his playmakers. I, obviously, having a Calvin Johnson, we like we've seen. 
uh, how well he can play. Uh, but now he's just in a bigger market. So everybody's seeing this. Everybody is is jumping on the bandwagon, but he's been doing this. And I'm not surprised at the success that he's having right now, because, again, it's something I, I seen for four years uh, every day seeing that. So, uh, you know, seeing staff have some success. In, in a bigger market with these playmakers, they're putting a lot of pieces around them. Uh, you know, I'm again, I'm not surprised at the success and and I hope he's able to, to make some things happen unless he's playing the Seahawks. <laughs> I've got a friend who's been in and around the league for a long time, knows a lot of coaches and, and is convinced that individual periods have shrunk and that time for assistant coaches to work on technique with guys in a lot of situations is, is down because a lot of the newfangled coaches want to get to team as fast as possible and spend as much time in full team periods as possible. Do you buy that that might be going on and that, that things like pass rush technique don't necessarily get the time and attention they, they might deserve? I would agree with that. I, I think that's a problem, but I, more so than anything, I think the offseason situation is a problem. You know, these players, I understand, hey, you want to be at home, you want to do all the these things but as a young pass rusher myself that's when i became a professional that's when i learned the game because football is a game of reps the more you see things the more you get better at it more comfortable you get and i think coaches not having individual period is a problem i think not having off-season workouts i think preseason getting shortened i think that's an issue as well and i think the quality of football will gradually go down if they don't find a way to fix this I know fans in particular, they want to see the high scores and different things like that. Well, they're going to see a lot of that because their defense is going to be trash because they've never tackled anybody till week one. And I think that's a problem. So, Cliff, I, I laughed earlier when you said, you know, Pete Carroll didn't have the all-out Wednesdays in the NFL because there are things that you can do in college, but not the NFL. And I know that you're from Jacksonville, so you'll probably see where I'm going with this question. Urban Meyer, now an NFL head coach, can't do the same things and act the same way as he did as a college head coach. We know about the controversy with the video surrounding him and everything else. When you see Urban Meyer and know what he's about as a college coach with total control versus what he's up against now in Jacksonville, what do you think about his potential for success or failure? He has to he has to get a following first off. You know, when you're when you're a, a college coach and you come into an NFL locker room, we have to believe you. We have to like we have to believe the philosophy. But then you, when you go do stuff like that, what you were doing in college, it, it, it takes away your credibility in, in a sense. So now he's actually behind the eight ball trying to make this thing work out. And the only way you do that, honestly, is by by drafting well. Uh, getting a bunch of young players that don't necessarily understand the NFL, don't understand uh, what what a professional coach really is like, then he can kind of mold them to believe him and get behind the philosophy. But I, I do think he can have success because Coach Carroll has success. But it's extremely hard. It's not that many coaches that can come into the league and coach a bunch of grown men like they were coaching in college and, and make that transition. It's not too many coaches can make that look so seamless. But if we're sitting here in Nashville and in Tennessee and SEC country, and I'm going to tie it in with Seattle uh, and your Seahawks. You are a massive fan of Daryl Taylor, former Vols uh, pass rusher who's now in Seattle. A couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, he had a, a, a serious neck issue, uh, and, and then he returned to play this past weekend. I know you had a serious neck issue uh, back in 2017, I believe. Tell us about Taylor, what your thoughts on, on him are, and how relieved you are that he's okay. Uh, I'll start with the first, uh, that, that second part. I, I'm excited that he's okay. I'm happy to hear that he's okay. I actually was texting with him that night 
letting them know, hey, I'm praying for them. But also, hey, if you need somebody to ask questions about, because I just experienced this just a few years ago, like, please lean on me. Um, As far as for a player, I love everything about DT, man. He is a baller. Um, You know, I've tweeted about him a few times. There's just some there's just certain things that you can't coach. You can't teach. And he has that it factor. He has uh, a bend, you know, when he's coming around that corner that a coach can't teach you that. It's either it's a natural ability and he has that. So if you can add some more of the techniques to it, I see this guy being a 10 sack guy every year. Honestly, I I really do see it. Uh, And he I mean, he's just raw right now. And he has four sacks. He's leading the team right now with limited uh, snap counts, you know. So when he becomes a full tilt guy um, and you add some technique, add some hand combat stuff to it, this guy can be he can be special. If we give you a nice big FanDuel free bet right now for Super Bowl champion, who are you putting it on? Oh, don't do me like that. Um, Super Bowl champ? Man, it's hard for me. We were just talking about him. It's hard for me to go against uh, – it's hard for me to go against Stafford and those guys in L.A. I mean, the NFC West is stacked, and if they can pull it out of the NFC West, I think they can pull it off and they can win it all. Um, you know, again, with all the weapons, they, add, they just added Von Miller – of course, we know what Aaron uh, Aaron Donalds can do. Eric Donald can do uh, that defense. You know they they have some key. Play, they got they got some playmakers on there, and that's what won me a championship. You know, great defense and their offense is elite. Uh, it's scary. I'm trying to think of of your years in the league, Cliff. Did so the Titans just lost Derrick Henry, their best offensive weapon, uh, and the air is out of the balloon a bit, right? After their six and two start, they signed AP uh, Adrian Peterson, but. you're not replacing what Henry brought to that offense. Were you a part of a roster that lost the guy? And and what was it like that week leading up, trying to rev back up going into a week? Um, No, I can't say we, we, uh, you know, my Seattle years, you know, we had a lot of great players. Russell Um, uh, Russell Wilson always played. That was the key with him. Exactly. Russ, this is his first time missing any games, you know, in 10 years. So I haven't had any issues like that. And I was trying to think about maybe in my Detroit days, but we weren't that good then either. So, <laughs> so, it, wasn't, so it wasn't any guys that was that it factor. But I, I can tell you, though, um, you know, just experience in football when guys get hurt on the field and, and the air getting kind of sucked out of the, 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 the energy getting sucked out of you a little bit. It is something hard to, to overcome, but that's where your leaders step up. That's when your leaders need to come up and, and, and let the team know, hey, we're going to ride for that guy that just went down. We're going to, you know, we're going to make this happen for him and, and kind of bring life back into the team. But if you don't have any good leaders, you know, it, it's, it's a long season after that. Cliff, two random ones on the way out here. First, you're wearing a Seattle Kraken hat, and I know you, yeah, were, you were the, um, I don't know what they're doing pregame. You, you, you can, you're about to tell us. You were there in 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 person, I guess for their home opener, maybe, maybe it was home opening weekend. Tell us about the atmosphere. Tell us about the NHL in Seattle. Well, it was my first game, first hockey game ever. Um, and it was great to get out there. Uh, you know, they have this, they, I, I forget what they call it, a celebrity hype or something, yeah, whatever yeah. it was, but I, but I was a part of it. And, to, and, and when I got up there and those people went crazy, one that showed me that they, they love their Seahawks, obviously. But then, man, these hockey fans are nuts. Like, they love them some hockey. And it was fun. And, and the energy behind the city, you don't realize what these teams mean to a city besides the jobs that it provides. But it's happiness. Like, it just, it just livens up the city. So having them here, it's been great. I enjoyed it. I can't wait to go to another game. Uh, they, they make it pleasant. And when those guys get to fighting and all that good stuff, it, it, it's, it's just, it just goes crazy, man. It's fun. No doubt. And, and finally, 
You were recently, uh, you were among the players that represented the NFL on a trip to Germany for NFL Germany uh, with a couple of cities. Uh, they they want to play some games there internationally. What did you make of the response that you had? This was a couple of years back when you made the trip and how widely mm-hmm. successful will it be? Because these tickets sell out in London quick. And I'm wondering if you feel like it's going to take place the same way in Germany. Yes. Oh, man. It, it was so fun taking that trip. It was a few years ago. But what I remember most is how detailed and, and how much they knew of the history of the game of football. I mean, I played in the league 10 years. I've been following the NFL for some time. Some of the questions they were asking me, I was like, look, guys, I got to Google that, too. Like, I don't I have no clue. And so so their passion for the game is 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 amazing. And I, I do see if they if they end up finding a way to get a team or play some games out there. I don't see it being any different than how it is in London. They love them some football. They 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 have, you know, obviously their their, their schools are gravitating towards adding football part of their their curriculum and different things like that. They're they're full tilt and I can see these guys um, you know, selling out stadiums and arenas or whatnot for for four football games. Hey, you do you watch the Manning cast on Monday night the same way the fans do? I, I've only caught one. I caught uh, a little bit of of the one when they did it with Marshawn. I haven't watched it, but um, you know that was an eventful Marshawn, one. Marshawn very yeah. memorable. That was a yeah. very memorable visit from Marshawn. <laughs> Rated it all. Cliff Averill exactly. has been our guest. Follow him on Twitter. It's very simple. It's just his name at Cliff Averill. We like we like the ease uh, easiness of that. Cliff, great uh, great visit with you, man. Thank you for the insight today. No, thank you guys for having me anytime. Appreciate Terrific it. energy. We yeah, love it. we love it. Cliff Averill, uh, Super Bowl champ with the Seahawks, has been our guest. Um, NFL trade deadline has come and gone. John McClain is about to join us with the details of today's news or the anticlimactic trade deadline, uh, which includes Deshaun Watson, who remains a Houston Texan. He'll tell us why next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on. Busy day. Plenty of news and notes. Could have been busier if uh, trade deadline had lived up to what people like it to be. Plenty of reaction uh, coming your way over uh, the next 40 minutes. John McClain joins us for NFL headlines. News in reaction to the NFL trade deadline. Why Deshaun Watson remains a Texan and much more. You can follow John on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. I can tell you this. Had Deshaun Watson been traded, we would not be joined right now by John. I would not be able to say, John, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, And I had a story written that he was traded. I had a story written that he was not traded. And as soon as we found out, you push the button and he gets posted. And then that's the way it's done. And what happened with Watson is what we've reported for the last two weeks. He either reaches settlements with his 22 accusers and gets traded to the Dolphins, or he does not. Stephen Ross, the owner, insisted on that. Ross can live with the NFL investigation, the Houston police investigation that includes 10 criminal complaints filed from 10 of the 22 plaintiffs, and and the possible suspension of Watson, which could have been this year, get it out of the way when the Dolphins are bad instead of wait till next year, and Watson had been adamant he would not settle because he believed, according to people close to him, that a settlement was an admission of guilt. And so he wouldn't do it. And then when the talks intensified about two weeks ago, 
and they had a deal ready to go. And Ross said, no, not unless he settles. He finally, at the end of last week, agreed to do it, but it was too late. They couldn't get everything done in time to the for the deadline, so he'll stay here. He has a job we should all wish we had. He makes $10.54 million. He comes to work at NRG Stadium every day, works out in the facility. He works out on the field with a couple of guys by himself, does everything he needs to do, and then he goes home. And so now the new league year begins March 16th. That's when trades can resume. So for us, it's a dead issue until March 16th. John, was there any consideration that the Texans would lower the offer just to move him and be done with it now? Or did, did it not matter? Because Stephen Ross was not going to approve this deal unless Watson settled. Yeah, absolutely. He would not approve it. The general manager of the Texans, Nick Casario, has wanted three number ones and two number twos going way back to March when they decided to trade him. And the idea then was with a new general manager, a new coach, they're going to sign a lot of free agents, cheap ones. They wanted to get through that first wave of free agency. Then they would open negotiations. At least eight teams that I know of had showed interest in Watson. The four that showed the most consistently were Miami, Philadelphia, Denver, and Carolina. The problem was he has a no-trade clause in that four-year $156 million extension he signed in September of 2020, and he told them he would not approve a trade anywhere but Miami. Philadelphia, which could have three first-round picks, and right now all three of those are in the top ten. The Eagles wanted him. He said no. He wouldn't go there. So in the offseason, they'll crank it up again. But what if over the last nine games, beginning with the Texans on Sunday, Tua Tungavailoa plays like the fifth overall pick in 2020 he should play and convinces the Dolphins that he is a franchise quarterback, then that would remove them from consideration. And what if another team like, say, Carolina, they said they were interested and Watson said, okay, I'll approve Carolina because it's two hours from my hometown, Gainesville, Georgia, and the Panthers go, no, whoa, 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 we're not going to give three number one picks. We'll give two number one picks. We won't give three. What it came down to was three first-round picks, third and fifth-round picks. I don't know. They're not all the first year. They were spread over two years, but it's a moot point because he could not reach the settlements. And we had a story in a Chronicle today that is on our sports website and HoustonChronicle.com with Ashley Solis, one of the first uh, women who filed the lawsuit. She was talking about she was not happy the way she was interviewed by the NFL. She's not heard from them since. It's all about football. All anybody does is talk about Watson and football and not enough from the victims. But if he gets these cleared up by the draft, you know that there will be teams interested. But if he don't want to go there, he's not going to go there. The Giants, the Lions, and the Jets have multiple first-round picks. The Jets have Zach Wilson, and they've got some guy that came off of Pluto named Mike White. And then, of course, the the Lions have Jared Goff, and they're the worst team in the league. So they might be in market for a quarterback. And then the Giants, they could move on from Daniel Jones after three years. And one thing right now, guys, this next draft, and this could change when they start running around in their underwear and throwing the ball against air 
at the combine, at pro days, and at private workouts. But there's not a quarterback right now worth a top 10 pick. Maybe that'll change. So Watson would be even more valuable. John, you've done a great job reporting on this whole story with Watson. I'm asking you just your opinion now. As a reporter who knows Deshaun Watson, has covered him, I'm sure you know his attorneys or you've covered them in some way also. And knowing this situation in the history with the NFL in situations like this, are you surprised he didn't settle out of court and that he's taking this tact with this and how that may lead to worse things down the road or I guess better things if he's somehow able to clear his name completely. Chad, like he, he wouldn't settle. It was him and he just wouldn't do it. And he, cause he said it when a settlement is an admission of guilt, according to sources close to him. And by the time he agreed to settle at the end of last week, that wasn't enough time as the deadline approached and they couldn't agree with all of the plaintiffs. And had he done this a long time ago, it might not have, you know, he could have been treated before this. But uh, I've got to think, since he finally agreed to the settlements, and he's going to make $35 million next year, and that he should settle and then wait to see what teams are interested and then tell General Manager Nick Casario, okay, I'll go to the Giants or I'll go to Detroit or I'll – go to Philadelphia if they still want me. But that's opening a whole new can of worms. And I'll tell you, from a selfish standpoint, this has been going on for 10 months. I can't tell you how much I've written about this. And today, like two columns I wrote in the last two weeks, it's number one on our website, not the sports website, but the Houston Chronicle website. And you know what it's over? The Astros in the World hmm. Series. It's pretty crazy. We know you've been high, John, on the on the Titans from uh, from the start. They're in really good shape with a three game lead plus a tiebreaker over Indianapolis, and uh, it'd be really hard for them to miss the playoffs, even without Derrick Henry now. But curious what your forecast is for this team with Adrian Peterson, Deontay Foreman in the backfield now, um, as opposed to Derrick Henry, who had surgery this morning. First of all, I think they'll still run away with AFC South. I mean, they're the only team's got a winning record. And to score 34 points when Henry had 68 yards rushing and, and was injured, nobody knew the severity of it, that shows you they can still score points. Now, it would help, of course, if Julio Jones were healthy all the time and was worth the money he was making to line up opposite A.J. Brown. They would still have such a prolific passing game. And they might, even without him, because Brown is so great, as the Colts find out, and as the Texans have known, because he's had 100 yards in every game in which he's played against them. And I noticed that Mike Vrabel said it could be eight weeks. And I, I, I have no clue. Nobody does if he can come back. But I'll tell you this. Three years ago, J.J. Watt tore his peck, and he was out for the year. And uh, all of a sudden, he was healthy at the end of the year. He came back for the playoffs. They won a playoff game, lost the second game. They used him as a pass rusher, and we were in shock that he could come back. So nobody's going to know for a while, but as you guys know, Derrick Henry's such a beast. He's such a tough guy, and it is a wheel. You know, if it's like driving a car with a flat, but if he could come back, imagine how inspiring that would be. 
but I still think they're going to win this division. Whether or not they can win the playoffs, it remains to be seen. Adrian Peterson lives here. You know, he owns a workout facility. He's in incredible shape. It doesn't matter that he's 36 years old. Deontay Foreman, a third-round pick here from the University of Texas, he's bounced around, but he had his moments when he was serious about football. So I can't wait to see what uh, Mike Vrabel and his staff have in place, and I know you guys feel the same way, but I tell you what, that play action that Tannehill runs so well with Henry and every defensive player has to hesitate because they know there's a good chance Henry's going to get the ball. They don't have that anymore. They're going to still fake it to other backs, but it's not the same when that fake is not going to Derrick Henry. And he has been excellent on play action uh, over the last three seasons. Ryan Tannehill, 23 touchdowns on play action uh, on 299 play action opportunities. He's thrown 23 touchdowns. Um, he's thrown 42 off of non-play action, but it's the threat of Henry that opens up so much uh, for that offense. John, and it also, uh, the, the injury opens up the AFC a bit because I think uh, people are starting to turn towards Nashville and looking for their Super Bowl contender out of the AFC. The fact that the Chiefs are seesawing back and forth on wins and losses, and even in their wins, they don't look great. How wide open is the AFC compared to years past? Because you don't have that top-tier team. I know Buffalo is there, but Buffalo uh, was sleepwalking with Miami this past week. They ultimately won by 15 points, uh, but they have two losses as well. Tell you something that stuns me, Jonathan, is going into the season, I thought the AFC was a superior conference and had the best teams, and that the NFC would be inferior. Now it's been the opposite. Watching the Chiefs on Monday night football, I thought, sure, against the Giants, they would get their offense going. They're so discombobulated, it's like they're Keystone Cops bumping into each other. That was amazing that they were able to pull it off, and they benefited from a, a bad face mask call that never should have been called. And so the Chiefs, maybe they'll turn it around. they got to be a factor in the AFC West. The, the Raiders have won two in a row. I'm not sure if I'm buying into the Raiders, certainly not as a as like a Super Bowl team. It looks to me Buffalo, and can't, and you can't count out Baltimore. Baltimore's coming off a bye week, but they got killed at home by Joe Burrow. And how do you figure the Jets beating the Titans and the Bengals? And if I'm a contender like the Titans and the Bengals, I'd be scared to death when I played the Jets, especially if they had – Mike White as their quarterback, who was stupendous, 408 yards in his first career start. But uh, I still think it's Buffalo, uh, Baltimore, Tennessee, and my preseason Super Bowl pick of the Browns. They've been decimated by injuries. It's hard to have a quarterback going to the Super Bowl when he's got to wear a brace on his left shoulder and he struggles to throw the ball anyway. Yeah, and Jack Conklin now with the dislocated elbow out for a time. We've talked about some coaches, John, who might be in trouble. I'm wondering if Mike Zimmer should be at the head of that. We talked about the Titans' monumental lead. Green Bay's lead over over, uh, Minnesota's bigger than that. And he mangled the clock at the end of this game with Dallas, took back-to-back timeouts, uh, had a terrible reasoning for it, uh, really bumbled and stumbled his way through this game and does not have this team where people uh, expect it. I didn't think they were going to be very good, but what do you think of his standing right now uh, in Minnesota? 
Paul, I think his seat is hot. A lot of people expect he'll be fired. I don't think it's as hot as Vic Fangio's in Denver when you bring in a new GM. And those guys that want to be general managers, and George Payton had turned down offers before, but you know they've got a list of head coaching candidates when they take over a job, and I guarantee you Vic Fangio's not on that list. Now, if the Broncos turn it around, that'd be one thing, but by the trade of Von Miller to the Rams, and I just saw the Rams, I tell you, I'd feel much better about the Titans if they had Derrick Henry because the Rams are good. Now they add Von Miller to that pass rush with Aaron Donald. You know, they're a legitimate Super Bowl contender. But it's uh, – I, I would think Vic Fangio, Mike Zimmer. I don't know about Brian Flores, 10-6 to 1-7, and seven, seven losses in a row. People said one of the reasons he was so hot to trot after Deshaun Watson, as was the Dolphins general manager – Chris Greer, if they got Watson, they might end up with contract extensions. Now they could be on the hot seat. If not this year, then definitely next year. They keep asking Flores about his job security, and he says what all head coaches say. But, you know, I thought Zimmer might be gone last year, and it looks like they'll make that deal and fire him and then go after an offensive-oriented coach. Now, John, we rely on you to give us the pulse, not just of Houston, but of the entire state of Texas. So, I have to go to Austin and ask you about what the pulse of the state of Texas is on the story with the Texas Longhorns special teams coach stripper girlfriend's monkey attacking a kid (laughs) on Halloween and having to have the monkey pried off this kid that was trick-or-treating. Is this the talk in Texas today? Well, I'll tell you somebody that is probably glad to have to answer questions about that is Steve Sarkeesian because he got his butt kicked by those fighting Baylor Bears who are now seven and one, second. And uh, the coach used to be at Texas A&M special teams. He goes to UT, leaves his wife and kids for the pole assassin. You can Google the pole assassin. That is her name, pole assassin. Who has a monkey in the routine that she does. Now, supposedly at their house, they had an adult Halloween party on Saturday. Now, I know Paul and I would have liked to have been there. (laughs) <laughs> and then the next night, Halloween, they had one for the children. According to reports, her monkey, Gia, bit into a kid arm. <laughs> had to be, I don't mean to be laughing. Oh, no, it's else. not about the kid. It's about the monkey's the monkey. name being Gia right. is what I'm laughing at. That part's so, fine. I'm still envisioning to, you and Paul at this uh, stripper's <laughs> house with the monkey uh, dancing for you. Everybody get Paul Assassin back in here. She's got some more jello shots for everyone. It's time for the monkey routine. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, if you think about publicity, no matter what it is, if you're someone who rents yourself out, she can pay for publicity like this. The problem is he's a coach at the University of Texas. They're four and four. They've been a huge disappointment in Steve Sarkeesian's first season. And right at the end of the game, I had to make sure Baylor won. I tweeted, is Bill O'Brien going to be the next coach at the University of Texas? And I don't ever look at what people send me, but others do. And they said it was it was quite ugly, as I expected. <laughs> but uh, you think about all the stories. We think, okay, uh, we'll never hear anything weirder than that. And I've thought that a lot in my lifetime, more than four decades covering the NFL, but I really believe, Chad, I will never see a story stranger than the pole assassin and her pet monkey, Gia. Next thing, we're going to see them having their own reality TV show. 
See, I knew the moment I saw that story, I said, here is an opportunity to, for John to really show off his it's versatility. Banned. And I have to ask him about this story and the state of Texas and what people are talking about. So, John, you delivered. Thank you for that. Coming Thank up, you for asking, Dad. Coming up more uh, with John McClain. We'll, we'll wrap around the league a bit uh, and hit some other news and notes from what happened this past weekend, setting up a week nine across the league. We'll, we'll discuss that with John. And uh, also where he thinks we're headed with uh, the Rams now making a move. They're all in with Von Miller. He mentioned they're a true Super Bowl contender with their defensive front paired with their explosive offense. But beyond that, some of the teams that we really liked going into last week lost. And here come the Packers. The Packers are still right there steady uh, just as they were uh, a year ago. More with John McClain straight ahead on OutKick 360. And we're back with John McClain of the Houston Chronicle, TexasSportsNation.com. He's down in Houston. Game six tonight, Astros hosting the Braves. Chad, your, your confidence level That's what in game six. It. Confidence level in game six I am for confident. The I am confident that Max Fried will not pitch three straight awful games. And uh, I, I, I need Max Freed to be the Tom Glavin of this generation the way he was in Game 6 with the Braves in Atlanta, their lone, lone World Series title in that Game 6 and a 2-1 win over the Indians in 1995. That's what I need from Max Freed tonight. also need the Braves' offense uh, to get it done, which they started to get it done the other night, John, until um, your Astros made a nice little comeback in that game to keep this thing alive. I'll say this, Chad. Like, I, if the Astros are going to lose the World Series, I'm glad it's going to be the Braves, class organization, class team. I like Atlanta. It's been a long time. I just didn't want them to lose to the Dodgers because the Dodgers are a bunch of whiny, wailing <laughs> babies, which they've been proven every year since they lost the World Series to the Astros in 2017 when they were banging on trash can lids in Houston. And they left out the fact that the Astros kicked their butt in L.A., when they weren't banging on trash can lids, but that's that's old news. And this one, I wish the Braves the best of luck. I want the Astros to win this one and extend it to seven games. Luis Garcia, their rookie pitcher, pitching on three days rest. I don't have any confidence in him. If he could go four innings, people would be ecstatic. Their bullpen has been great. I don't think uh, if they go up against Dan Anderson again in that seventh game after the way he no hit them in his last start, that the Braves would have the inside track to winning the World Series. The Astros are a different team at home. Bregman's been terrible. Got moved down to seventh. Alvarez, who was great in the first two rounds, can't hit squat. Fortunately for them, they do have some other guys that can hit. And one of the things I know people here, it's a big deal to them. They saw how great the fans were in Atlanta and what a role they played for the Braves. And they want to play that same kind of role here. The roof will be open. It's a beautiful day in Houston. It's about 75 degrees. So it'll be a great night for baseball. I hope the Astros win and make it seven. And if they're going to lose to somebody, congratulations to the Braves. And let me ask you guys a question. I made a bet before the series with Clay Travis to dinner at Kane Prime in Nashville. Yep. Now, if I win, do y'all think Clay can afford to pick up the tab <laughs> or should I – 
pick it up for him. If you, even though if if you win, John, you should invite more people invite, to that dinner. Not, he could afford no, more than shit. just you. Yeah, invite <laughs> invite us, invite whoever else you want, because Clay can definitely afford it. You know what I should do right now, since the Braves are up too, I should put an addendum on there that if the Astros come back, I'll kick 360. Threesome's got to be there with us and uh, see if he'll take it. I'm pretty sure he's feeling awfully confident in his Braves right now. We'll make some frittatas after dinner with you, John. <laughs> It'll be great. Uh, it be wonderful. John McClain with us. You can uh, follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. <laughs> that was so good. You the Chiefs. Know. Late night snack. The Chiefs, John, uh, win last night, uh, and they start a, a uh, now a run here with the Packers at the Raiders and then host the Cowboys. Now, I compared this earlier in the show. The Titans lost to the Jets and then rattle off three straight. Unexpected wins. Uh, where you didn't expect the Titans to win all three, Bills, Chiefs, and, and then the way they won against the Colts. Y- your thoughts on the Chiefs right now, and are they capable of stringing together a run of wins to get back in this huge playoff push that they're trying to make? Of course they're capable because they have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Do they look like they're capable? No. No, they're not in sync. Their offense is not in sync in those three games. You just mentioned, Jonathan, those three teams have lost a combined four games. Mm. So if they barely beat the Giants at Arrowhead Stadium, what are they going to do at that little miniature murder's row? If they could get through that two and one, then I think they'd be a serious player over the can't see second half anymore over the rest of the season. But it's just hard to imagine them not being a factor come playoff time. But, you know, teams that lose the Super Bowl – usually struggle. I've never understood that. You would think teams losing the Super Bowl would be the hungriest teams in the NFL, but that's not the way it happens unless you're the Patriots when they had Belichick and Brady. But the Chiefs right now, they're in big trouble. Final thought for you. How how weird was it to see so many backup quarterbacks either start or come off the bench and win games this past weekend in the NFL? Never seen anything like it. It was amazing. The, the one that was the weirdest was Mike White with the Jets making his first start against the Bengals, who were red hot and threw for, I think, 405 yards. And now they got Zach Wilson. I'll tell you a strange thing. They hired his quarterback guru, John Beck, who's never coached but has a facility where he trains quarterbacks as his own personal coach. And the problem is they may have a big quarterback controversy. When Wilson's ready to come back, do they bench Mike White? What if he keeps playing well? Then do what do they do? They got, you know, a quarterback controversy in New York, how that can be divisive and be a huge distraction. And Trevor Simeon in, in New Orleans, to do what he's done, I, I'm just, I feel bad for the Saints. Jameis Winston wasn't great, but he was pretty good. He was throwing, wasn't throwing a lot of passes, but he was throwing touchdown passes. And now he's done. And if Taysom Hill, he's coming off an injury. If they thought he could be the man, they never would have signed Jameis Winston. John McClain, follow him on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, thank you as always. We will catch up with you next week. Jonathan Paul and Chad Lack, thank you guys very much. Keep up the great work, and I look forward to seeing you guys again say hi to the pole great great say hi to the the pole assassin yeah john mcclain uh has been our guest love having him on each and every week here on the show uh tennessee power hour straight ahead we're gonna load up on discussion with the titans 
uh, discussion on Derrick Henry, uh, where Diane Rossini uh, reported how his surgery went this morning. We've got that and much more. College football playoff. Uh, the first poll will be announced for the college football playoff. The first rankings later this evening. We'll preview that. Vanderbilt and naming rights to their stadium uh, will be addressed over the next hour. We have a lot to discuss. And, oh, by the way, Braves-Astros game six. We could come back tomorrow and be discussing planning the parade around 6th and Peabody for Chad Withrow. They're one win away from Chad's parade for his Bravos hoisting the World Series trophy. Can it happen? Lots of parade and poll talk coming up. Titans talk next on OutKick 360.